welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's ass approach says the Azurus, the Predators in that playoff series, man. The only one to get swept and not go at least five, six games, like absolutely wild. Man, I was writing down, you know, the current standings of each of the games and I was like, oh, all these series are going to six. This is awesome. And then, no, Avalanche series already over. Man, they got that kid, Kale McCarr, who's just absolutely unreal at hockey right now. Ten points in those four games. Absolutely, what a legend, man. This kid, point-per-game average as a defenseman in today's NHL is just ridiculous. That is pretty impressive, but I'm over here hyped that the Flames somehow pulled it out. They've got that 3-2 series lead after being down 2-1. Man, Calgary was losing it a little bit. I bet, man, after the season that they had. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they don't win this round because <laughs> I'm hoping for a higher draft pick for my Montreal Canadiens. You know, they already secured the first overall pick, but hopefully they can get, you know, like a top 20 pick. Um, but it looks like Calgary's probably going to be moving on and it'll be in the 20s as opposed to top 20. This guy over here, always thinking only about his hockey team. Very understandable, of course. And Matt, you got the first pick in the draft. How pumped are you? Man, I'm pretty pumped. I mean, I wish it was next year with this kid, Connor Bedard, but I'll take Shane Wright, man. Uh, people are split on him. Some thought that he had superstar potential. Some don't. I mean, he did get exceptional status to play in the OHL at 15, so he's got to have some kind of talent. Classic Montreal Canadiens fan. Gets the first pick and is like, yeah, I'm excited about it, but not like, you know, super excited. Well, it's not like uh, when Toronto or Edmonton got it with uh, McDavid or, or uh, Matthews, man. Those guys are surefire superstars, whereas uh, Shane Wright, everyone's kind of up in the air on him. So we'll see how it pans out, man. Um, you know, some superstars like Sidney Crosby still doing it to this day. Sid the Kid no longer. Um, guys like one of the older players in the league and still putting it up. Uh, it sucks to see him get hurt last night. I feel so bad for the for the man. Hopefully the Penguins can put the series away for him, you know, and he can come back healthy because it was like a it was a weird injury to witness because like he didn't seem to be super affected by it, but then he just like did not come back into the game afterwards. Hey man, story of his career, right? Like small little things that don't look too too severe, and it kind of keeps him out for a long time. But we got to talk about probably the biggest one for Toronto fans, man. They got that game five victory against the Maple Leaf in dramatic fat or against the Lightning in dramatic fashion as well. Um, you know, Austin Matthews scoring on a feed for Mitch Marner. You know, the playoff ghosts are coming out, man. They're 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 extracting them from the building. They're they're doing something. Those Maple Leafs, man, looking like they're gonna beat the defending back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I'm sure Leaf fans are pumped. Absolutely. I mean, Matt and I, you were talking you were talking about how I think it was a couple weeks ago how like this series is going to define the playoffs for the Leafs. Because if they can get through the Lightning, or it was supposed to be the Bruins as well, right, was the other option. Like, if they can get through that team, they should be set up for success in the future. And, I mean, when you have a 3-2 series lead, usually if you're anybody but the Toronto Maple Leafs, you're feeling really good right now. Hey, they beat the Bruins, which probably not going to happen because Carolina is probably going <laughs> to knock them out. Um, or the Lightning, I said, you know, it's going to give them a ton of confidence to keep going through and, and probably win, you know, a few more rounds playing Florida who's having a, their hands full with Washington right now I mean could be a good thing for them because Florida has a longer first round playoff drought than, than the Leafs do so oh wow yeah only team in the league one. oh man poor Florida but anything else what other series you want to break down a little bit or get into Nah, man, I really want to get into basketball. We've had a ton of games since last Wednesday, and I am excited to talk about it. We do have to return to the takes, man. I was right. The Phoenix Suns did go up 2-0 on the Dallas Mavericks. But, you know, Luka brings it back, but we'll get into that. Yeah, that series has been very interesting back and forth. And me over here thinking to myself, hey, the Grizzlies will definitely steal a game back. But, nope, jaw goes down in game four. Four. You're thinking to yourselves, it's a 3-1 series, it's over, Golden State's going to win, and then what the heck happened last night? We'll get into it. The Warriors down by 55 points at a one point against the Jawless Grizzlies. Like, man, that series is a, is a banger. We're going to have an interesting time talking about that. But I think we have to start, Matt, with Nikola Jokic. Getting his MVP. This guy is chilling in Serbia. Looks like he just came back from a horse race rolling up and Malone and the Nuggets surprised him with his award. 
deservingly so second back-to-back MVP. Man, I don't know if it's deserving. He's definitely got the advanced analytics crowd all over him. He's got all of that stuff kind of riding for him. But at the end of the day, when you think MVP, you think best player in the league. And it's got to be Giannis, man. It's Yanni. He's been unbelievable regular season. He didn't have a great start, but the finish and now what he's doing in the playoffs, it's clear that he's the best player on the planet. Absolutely. And when you when you look at when you like break down the actual voting statistics, I was personally disappointed at the number of first place votes that like Booker and Luca got because yeah, they definitely deserving so, but if you had a vote in this race and you didn't choose Jokic and Bede or Giannis as one of your first picks for MVP, I'm sorry, you made a mistake. It's just a fact, right? And yeah. you know, Jokic had 875, Embiid had 706, and Giannis had 595 when it comes to total votes. Bit of a spread, but again, no. There were three distinct MVPs at the end of this race, and anybody who decided that one of them wasn't going to be the first was doing it just to, you know, make a conversation. Absolutely, man. And, you know, Jokic actually had the fewest first-place votes for an MVP since Steve Nash in 2005, 2006. A guy that he's now getting compared to as, you know, in that back-to-back MVP club. Steve Nash is really the only one who never went on to win a championship. Is Nikola Jokic going to be in that same vein? It's kind of scary. I was also looking at the stat from, like, the 80s and 90s. Um, The MVP won the championship, like, 48% of those years. And since, like, 2004 to now, it's been, like, I think like 19% or something like that. I think Steph and LeBron are the only guys to have done it. Uh, you are probably correct. I remember seeing a, a, a statistic list somewhere where like in 15 of the last 21 years, they haven't won the championship. You know, they yeah. may have gotten to the finals or they may have gotten to the conference finals, but they didn't fully win. I mean, you know, you just look at the last couple of years, at least Giannis, you know, was able to get his victory. But at the same time, that came after his MVP wins. So. And that could be something that, you know, Nuggets fans really hold their hat on because Giannis won back-to-back MVPs, got bounced by the Heat in, you know, pretty dramatic, easy fashion in a 4-0 sweep. And then came back and has been the best player on the planet, has won, you know, the NBA championship. Nikola Jokic didn't have his full supporting cast this year, so to mm-hmm. even get to where he did against the Golden State Warriors was impressive. And so at the end of the day, with a full healthy roster next year, he could prove that, you know, I'm wrong and that he is the best player in the NBA, but I'm always going to go Yanni, man. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be really interesting to see where the MVP race goes from here. I mean, we've had four years of non-Americans winning it, of foreign-born players winning it. And when you think about, you know, the pipeline of MVPs coming up, you know, Matt and I always talk about Luka going to potentially take over the league at one point in time. So looks like those foreign assets are becoming extremely beneficial and important in the NBA. It's a good thing that we're a team in the Toronto Raptors that, you know, we're always trying to get those foreign guys because then they're not like, oh, we want to go back to America. So we'll see what happens. Hey, man, international superstars are David Stern's, you know, dream and legacy, and it's coming to fruition, man. The like the entire top three candidates, not one American. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. So we'll flip the script now. The NBA draft lottery is happening next week. I'm not going to go too far into it because, like, obviously us Raptors fans aren't super excited, but, hey, the possibility for your franchise to have an altering player join you will be exciting to see who's going to win that lottery next week. Absolutely, man. I don't know how great the class is. Um, you know, people are, are saying that it's going to be a great class, but I've heard a lot of people compare Chet Holmgren to Bull Bull, which is kind of a scary thought. Yeah. Hopefully Chet can put on some weight this year. I've heard talk about, you know, the Pelicans could have drafted him. The perfect draft plan would be, you know, Zion orders, Chet eats whatever he orders, and Zion eats whatever <laughs> Chet orders. That'd be, you know, a good little swap, keep them both oh, in shape. But that's just that's just some low blows right there. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, you know, talking about the draft class itself, you know, I think we've been spoiled in recent years with some absolutely fantastic classes with some very deep talent so it's going to come up to these guys to come into the league and and prove their worth because as we've seen in the past couple years if you're a rookie coming into a team and you can be beneficial you can instantly provide for your team you're going to get playing time so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and of course you know hopefully the the kings don't win because that wouldn't be fun 
for anybody. <laughs> Man, they probably mess up the pick. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I think that's it for things that I want to mention before we can get into these series. So, Matt, I'm going to leave the table to you. You want to start in the West? Do you want to start in the East? What's the conversation topic of choice? I just want to get my least favorite series out of the way because every time I watch these games, it feels like the 76ers are winning, which makes me so mad. But let's talk about Miami versus the 76ers. The 76ers have pulled it back to make it, you know, an actual series at this point, winning both games in Philadelphia, but laid an absolute egg in game five. Is Jimmy Butler just absolutely the entire squad for Miami? Like, he's got to do everything, this man. It's pretty crazy. Now, this time last week, Miami was up one nothing. so we've, saw, we've seen two games for each of the teams since then for victories. And on the one hand, you're thinking to yourself, before Embiid comes back and before James Harden apparently becomes 22 again, oh, Miami's got this. The series is over. You know, Bam is eating. You know, Spolster doesn't even have to care who he's playing because Duncan Robinson doesn't need to play any minutes because Tyler Hero is playing well and Max Struess is playing well. But then the, the script gets kind of flipped for, for two games, you know. Philly gets those Ws, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, maybe we're back into it. And then 120-83 for Miami in Game 5. Jimmy Buckets has been making the media talk about how maybe he's the best player in the NBA playoffs right now. Not we know it's a lie. Disagree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know it's not true, but it's been kind of crazy that Miami is holding themselves up and doing what they're doing. And I mean... You know, people would want to say that with Embiid's injury, with all these things going on, that maybe Philly would be more competitive. But at the end of the day, I think Miami just has more. They're 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 deeper. They have more consistency with their players. And like Kyle Lowry's injured and not even playing, and they're still doing extremely well. So we'll see where the series goes. Man, you say that they're a deeper roster, but when you think about like the fact that in Game Three not a single player outside of Butler and Hero scored over 10 points. Oh, wow. That's brutal. <laughs> you know, like Kyle Lowry, I understand he's injured and not playing at full capacity, but the guy can't score a bucket in this series. Um, they were better off without him in game five. And the, the series going back to Philadelphia, right? And in Philadelphia, those two games, it really made you feel like they had a good chance. But, you know, Joel Embiid is hurt. He's not 100%. Did get smacked in the face in Game 5, which might have thrown him off for the entire game. You know, guy still recovering from a concussion and that orbital bone fracture. So we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, I would agree that, you know, Miami's probably got this in the bag. Um, But that, you know, shocking performance by James Harden, if he can pull another one out, that's probably all they need because Embiid's probably going to win one of these two games. That's the crazy thought, right? And, I mean, to, to add more to the Philly roster, I want to shout out Danny Green, who's been playing decently well. I mean, he had 7 of 9 from 3 in Game 2. I mean, they still lost, but that's not the point. All right, and then I have to shout out, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul Reed, um, the current backup center for Philadelphia. Through the entire Embiid experiment, their backup center has been trash. Like, absolutely trash. Even last year, when they had... Um, um, Lakers Andre? center. Jordan. No, they they had um, not the point. Whatever. We'll we'll do that later. They have had trash backup center minutes, and like even though Embiid is doing like plus a hundred when he's on the court, they're like minus sixty. You know, whenever they're not him. And Paul Reed has been stepping up and playing great backup minutes for Philadelphia. So I have to bring up his name and mention him. Oh, and just just to correct you on that, Danny Green stat, he did shoot seven of nine in game three, the one that they won. Oh, game, okay. So game two, he was one of ten. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. Oh man, Danny's been Danny is what Danny is, man. Like some games, the ball is just going through the net consistently, and then other games, he's airballing, man. It's just we've seen it as Raptors fans. We love Danny for who he is, but he's definitely not going to be a main cog on your championship squad. And unfortunately for Philadelphia, they kind of need him to be. They've only got really like five guys that they trust with him included. Um, and that's why I guess Miami's probably going to take the series. But it, hey, man, it's a lot closer than I thought it was going to be after the first two games. I thought it was going to be a sweep. Um, but, you know, Philadelphia's showing why they beat us. Man, it's, it's the consistency of Miami's players, I think, that, that you can rely more on, right? Like, Maxi has had some up and down games. Tobias has just kind of been there. I feel like he's been playing well, but not like enough that we've needed him to so we can see him get a victory for the team but your comment about Embiid and Harden right like 
that's why people were so worried about their pairing and how much danger it could be for the league. But I'm still, I'm still Miami, man. I can't, I can't not believe in this team. Spolster's too good. Um, Jimmy fair. Butler, man, I, I gotta bring up a sense. Like shooting 29 points on over 50 percent, he's the only player shooting above 25 points with an above 50 percent from the field. Like guy is being, you know, um, bubble Jimmy. He's bringing his team back, but will it be enough? Time will tell. It's going to be really interesting to see if Miami can hold on or if Philly can somehow pull this one out. Man, in the two losses in in Philly, he's their only player. Like he scored yep. a combined, you know, seventy three points in those two games on fifth or twenty five of forty two. Like he was shooting great. Even in you know game five, he took a little yeah. step back in terms of points, but that's because they didn't need him to to dominate the way everybody else was hitting their shots. And that's the biggest thing. Like, role players play better at home, obviously. And so the fact that Miami has the home court advantage probably lends you to to believe that they're going to win. But again, Game 7, anything can happen. Embiid is probably the best player in the series. Uh, Sorry to say, Jimmy Butler, if he's actually healthy. And so they could still win, man. Um, But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think, you know, Miami's probably going to move on to the next round. And no matter who wins this series... I think the conversation is still that you get the consolation prize to go up against the winner of the next series. Because I'm done with Miami-Philly. I'm ready to move on. I want to talk about Boston Bucks. Because the conversation before last night's game was, did the Bucks mess up by letting Boston get the higher seed and lose out on having home court advantage? Well, sorry to say, the Bucks are up 3-2 right now going Back to Milwaukee for Game Six, looking like Giannis is ready to close out this series. It's been a phenomenal series, man. It's been back and forth, um, great, great games. Last night's game almost felt like the reversal of Game Four, where Milwaukee controlled that game almost from start to finish, going into the fourth quarter, and then Boston exploded for like 16 of 19 from the field. They absolutely got whatever they wanted and. Al Horford, man, Giannis really angered him with that big dunk and then talking some smack. And Al Horford was cool, calm, and collected and then did it right back, man. That huge monster dunk over Giannis was absolutely wild. Jason Tatum really stepped up in that fourth quarter as well. Um, officially probably one of the you know top 10 players in the NBA. And they had enough in that game four, but game five happened... Giannis bleeding it out, Drew Holiday, the defensive player of the playoffs? Like, just unreal. There's so many things to break down when it comes to this series. I'm going to start with Game 5, and then i got to go back to Game 4 to talk about Big Al the Monster, but that game last night was wild. The way that Drew Holiday ended it, getting that block on Smart, and then just, like, throwing it off him for the... Like, that was the play of the game. That won them the game, right? And the fact that Giannis is nailing a three down with blood dropping down his face, like that's just so poetic. Cold blooded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But man, I gotta talk about Big Al real quick. Because this guy is playing for money, okay? If you don't know this, the guy has a contract of like sixteen million dollars. But if they make the finals, it goes up to nineteen point five. If he wins the championship, the guy makes twenty five million dollars. That is a almost ten million dollar gap. So he is taking this opportunity with the Celtics as maybe his last chance to win a championship, his last chance to get the bag. So seeing that game from Big Al was massive. And the fact that he can put up a career-high 30 points on 11 for 14 shooting, 5 of 7 from 3, like that's that's super impressive, super incredible. But at the end of the day, man, the Celtics are fighting, but I always believed in Milwaukee this series, and Giannis is proving it. I mean, I think he's had two 40-point games in this series. Yep. What What else can you do against him, man? At the end of the day, um, it really comes down to the fact that Boston as a team has a much better team. I think without Chris Middleton, it's clear that Boston has the better roster. Um, the fact that Time Lord's been out has really hurt them in the last two games because Giannis was able to get them in foul trouble in the in the. Uh, game four and last night take advantage again of them uh, being a little bit smaller not kind of having both Al Horford and Time Lord to slow him down so at the end of the day Giannis is the best player on the planet and it's not really close 
It's can he will this team and get enough support from guys like Bobby Portis, from guys yeah. like Drew Holiday. You know, Grayson Allen has really had a very poor series after having a great first-round series. Um, you know, can they, they give him enough to get to that next round? And I think that they're proving that they can. You know, they're again, going back to Milwaukee, we just talked about how role players play better at home. Um, it's can they sneak this victory out and get to the next round because um, they definitely don't want to go back to Boston and play a game seven in that that arena with that crowd. Um, they were lucky to get last night's win. Boston had an epic collapse, man. 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, so I mean, definitely lucky. They were even lucky to get the game three victory. You remember the buzzer beating knocking around of the ball at the last second, right? Like, we were we are this close in a different universe to the Bucks being done. Right? The series being over. And that is why you look as, at Giannis as a superstar that he is. right? Because when you have a team sport in basketball and you have a better team going up against a worse team, the only way that worse team gets through is if the better team drops the ball or if the star or this player or that player steps up huge. That's why we believe in Giannis. That's why he's the best player in the league. That's why we have so much faith in this Bucks team because of what he is able to do, because of the fact that he can will them through. And that's why everyone was saying that this was potentially the championship matchup between the two, because the Celtics are so good defensively. They are so good as a team. And we haven't even brought it up yet. Ime versus Boonhoser. Come on, it's not even close, you know? Mike has done really good things for this Bucks team. He is not the coach that I used to slander three years ago, for sure. But Adoka is still a better coach than him. It's proven. We know it. It's a fact at this point in time. So can the Celtics pull it out? If they can get to Game 7, it's possible. But this is going to be a tough Game 6 on the horizon. It's going to be a very tough Game 6, and I don't expect Milwaukee to lose it. I expect Yanni to come out and you know drop another 40-point game. The fact that Boston has lost two games like by two or fewer points or four or fewer points like and there are four and 11 this season in those games kind of says something about their their roster construction and the fact that Marcus Smart doesn't make the right plays at the end of the games I mean even that steal by Drew Holiday Jason Tatum was wide open on the other side of the court but for me I love that the you know best defensive play came from Drew Holiday to save that game, you know, that block and the throw off the chest, but the best offensive play and the the dagger is Yanni hitting that three, which is unbelievable that he had to hit that three to close the gap to a one possession game and he's two of five on the night when he was two of 17 going into the series, like just wild, man. Let me, let me add to that. So Giannis is shooting historically bad from three in these playoffs, okay? He has shot six for 34. It is the, it is the worst shooting three-point percentage in the history of the postseason, I'm pretty sure. But how hilariously poetic is it that he does nail the one three that really, really matters at the end there? Well, you listen to the broadcast, and they're always saying, like, I don't understand why Giannis takes threes. Like, he should just punish the Celtics' defense always and go in and go in. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, it's because in these pivotal moments, he needs to be able to hit that shot, and he knows it. And so if he's going to do it in the pivotal moments, he's got to do it throughout the game. He's got to practice those shots. He's got to take them at least, and at least get keep the defense honest of him taking them. Because if he could even be average at three-point shooting, man. This guy would be unguardable. He'd be better than Michael Jordan. Like, absolutely unbelievable. The way he just gets to the basket is ridiculous. And let's also not forget that the man, like, played mind games with people for years about his free throw shooting and then came out in that final game and dominated. So, hey, we could be looking at, like, the worst historical three-point shooting ever and then come the finals, he'd go six for seven in the last... Like, it's it's the kind of the craziness of Giannis, right? He's so good at basketball. Like people need to stop saying that he has no talent at this point in time because the man is a monster. Man, I'm pretty sure the guy with no talent has uh, more league MVPs and more finals and MVPs, finals MVPs than uh, the guy with the immense talent, the one who knows how to manipulate the rules. Yeah, okay, get out of here. Oh, uh, too good. But honestly, man, Buck Celtics has been fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this game. Best six. series. I'm, 
Absolutely, by far. It's not even close when you think about it. Now, there's some good storylines over in the West for sure, but this series is the creme de la creme of NBA playoff basketball right now. Well, man, the the best storyline out West is if the Grizzlies are actually better without their MVP candidate, their best leading player, their superstar, the Derrick Rose-esque John Morant. They're proving it. It's an anomaly. It's like the weird. This series is so weird. There's some crazy stats left and right. The fact that Steven Adams came back and apparently went from being unplayable to unguardable in this series. Like, there's there's so many weird ways that you can take it. But I cannot believe that game last night. I cannot believe it. Dude, the Memphis Grizzlies are 21 and six without John Morant in the regular season, and 10 and five against playoff teams. Like this is not a small sample size. They're one and one in the playoffs without him. They were in a tight game in Game Four, as opposed to getting blown out in Game Three with John Morant, and then blew them out by 40 points, and we're up by 55 plus. Like, what the heck is going on here, man? Like. Did anybody think Memphis was this good on role players? Dude, and like, I think about the way that game four ended with Jaron Jackson taking that awful, awful three-point shot pull-up. The guy was heat-checking from half-court last night. Like, there's, I don't even know how to explain this series or to describe this series. There's some voodoo magic going on with the Grizzlies sacrificing jaw for them to win. But if this team can come back from 3-1 down without jaw and win the series, it will be the greatest anomaly in the history of the NBA. There's no other questions about it. Like, the ball movement gets faster. Everyone just knocks down their shots. It's uh, There's almost no way to explain it, except that they just play good basketball with more movement. That's the only They're way just... to explain it. An absolute team, man. I mean, they've got three guys at 21 points. They've got six guys in double figures, two more guys, or seven guys in double figures, and two more guys at nine points. Like, they are just an absolute squad when they play without John Morant. They play as a team, and that's what wins, man. I mean, we're really seeing it that in this specific playoffs, you you almost have all teams that have grown organically. Like, almost no team that's left has, like, gone out and you know, just taking a superstar from somewhere. You could say maybe Miami and Philadelphia, but at the end of the day, Miami's had a long time with Jimmy Butler now. He's yep. grown with that roster with Bam and the rest of the players are really kind of homegrown except for Kyle. And yep. then, you know, Philly is really homegrown besides James Harden. So there's not a single team in this playoffs that's left that's been like a, you know, a Nets roster or a Lakers roster where, you yeah. know, they hire guns. Um, it's been organic growth, which bodes well for our Raptors, my friend. Absolutely. But I forgot my favorite fact about this Golden State Grizzly series. Now, obviously, Steve Kerr has COVID, so, you know, he had to go into protocols. And after <laughs> after game four, the, the online community was like, oh, Mike Brown, the winningest postseason Sacramento coach Kings in history. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, maybe. And then last night's game, now you can't put what happened to Golden State on the coach. You know, maybe he could have called the timeout during those runs. Not the point. The point is, Mike Brown, you're now 1-1 one one in the postseason. You may not have more postseason for like six years with the Kings records. But hey, at least you got that victory with the dubs in Game 4. Yeah, man. And everybody's, you know, really high on this Grizz roster right now without John Morant, you know, playing at the level that they're playing at, the track record that they have. There's also the other side of the coin that potentially Golden State didn't take this game too seriously. They were up 3-1. They had just beaten the jawless uh, Memphis Grizz, and they thought, you guys don't have your superstar. You guys are already down 3-1. You're probably just going to roll over and let us win. They didn't. Memphis punched them in the face and kept punching and kept punching. Now, you know, round round six around yeah round six is going back to you know golden state in that building in oracle will the golden state warriors just come out and absolutely obliterate them i'm not saying that it's guaranteed to happen but i'm saying that there's probably a good chance that it happens the hope for grizzlies fans is that clay thompson was the only one who was playing well in game five 
And hopefully that means that he pulled Game 6 clay just a little bit early and then it doesn't affect them. But again, going into that Warriors arena for Game 6 without jaw, thinking to yourselves, oh, we blew them out. Is their mentality going to change and now they're going to have the reverse opposite? Like, that's the craziness of this series. And that's why, like, it has been super exciting and, and fun to talk about. But at the end of the day... It will be historic if Memphis pulls this out. Historic. Because Golden State should win this. Absolutely, man. And I think they will. I think that they have enough veteran talent and they've been there, done that, that they're they're probably going to be able to pull this series out in Game 6. Just my prediction. So, let's talk about Suns-Mavs then. The last of the of the four series that we, go, we got going on. The one that I definitely thought was just going to be over and potentially is over because of certain things, but... Man, Luca, he's just holding on as much as he can. I have no idea how they made it 2-2. Um, the fact that they led for the majority, I want to say like 98% of both Game 3 and Game 4 was absolutely wild. Um, they were hitting shots. Jalen Brunson really stepped up in those games. Luka Doncic's stats, like his shooting his three points kind of went down so his points kind of came down but his assists went up because other people were hitting three-point shots he is already an all-time playoff performer i don't give a what anybody says like this man is the only player nobody's ever averaged 36 and 6 he's almost averaging 33 9 and 9 like he is unbelievable though can this team with the one heliocentric player get past the Phoenix squad, which is really the deepest squad in the NBA. Are we watching, like, Luka being Jordan before he had a team? You know what I mean? Like, are we watching this situation with the Mavericks with this, like, generational up-next talent in Luka have to rely on someone like Dinwiddie who is going 7-2-3 and three in this series, shooting less than 30% from the field? Like, I gotta rip on him a little bit. But I don't know, man. Like it's been, it's been a fun series, I guess, to watch at the end of the day. But unless Brunson has another thirty-point game, unless Finney Smith, who went eight for twelve from three in Game Four, can have another game like that, the Suns are up three-two, man. And I don't think Chris Paul is gonna have another bad game because he's had a couple of stinkers recently. Man, he he had a couple stinkers, and I don't think that they're gonna happen again. I think Devin Booker's locked in. Uh, he and Luca seemed to absolutely hate each other. Yeah. He was flopping around the other day and, and calling it the Luca special. Um, Luca's walking off the court after Game Five, saying everyone can act tough when they're up in the series. Um, and if he is, you know, pulling his Jordan moments right now or the young Jordan moments, he's doing better than Michael Jordan ever did in these situations. Um, oh, yeah. Let me remind you, Michael Jordan has only ever won one playoff game. Not series, game, without a guy named Scottie Pippen. So, Luka has nobody even close to that stature on his team. Uh, maybe Jalen Brunson's kind of pulling it out right now. He's much better than I thought he was. Uh, and Dinwiddie's letting me down, man. We <laughs> talked about him, you know, being the second starter for Luka, and he's given us nothing this series. Absolutely atrocious. Can they win game six? Yes. I think Game 7, though, in Phoenix, that one's going to be a tough one to pull out. And, I mean, Game 5 was a big tell, you know, losing by 30 points. In fact, the Mavs had 9 assists, and CP3 had 10. And, like, Chris Paul had, like, 5 points in that game. He couldn't shoot well, but, like, still was that floor general, that leader that you need. So, it's going to be a really interesting series. I mean, the fact that it was one nothing when we talked last week, and we've seen... You know, four total games. We've seen all of this basketball back and forth. Like, I don't really know where the series goes because at the end of the day, you kind of expect Phoenix to just end it. You kind of just expect Phoenix to get through at the end of the day. But who knows, right? We're going back. We're going back to home court for the Mavs. Luka could have a 60-point game, right? We know he's capable. He just has to make it happen. But will it happen? Man, I don't want to hold my breath out for the Mavs, but... I would love to see a Game 7 in this series. I would love to see Game 7s in all of these series, to be honest. I would in three of the four. I would definitely not want to see a Milwaukee-Boston Game 7 as a Milwaukee fan and pulling for Yanni. I do not want to see them go in there. But, hey, man, Game 7 in this Dallas-Phoenix series would be absolutely wild. And, again, like you don't think that, you know, 
Reggie Bullock is going to go 0 for 5 from the field. Oh um, Finney Smith, who had a monster game in game four, like he was just on fire from deep, didn't really get his shots. Um, so we'll see what happens. I honestly think that Luca can probably pull them to game seven. Um, I just don't think he can get them past game seven. Phoenix has proven that they're the best team in the NBA um, all year, and they're proving that what could be, you know, the second best player in the NBA in Luka Doncic isn't enough to beat them. You got to have somebody else. Absolutely. Matt over here bringing up one of my favorite unknown players in Reggie Bullock. I love it. The guy has been playing fantastic for this Mavericks squad. But, yeah, I mean, Phoenix, last, they, game. <laughs> last game didn't happen to, to Mavericks fans, okay? They don't they don't look at that game five. But, you know, it's it's been a fun series. At the end of the day... We've been really blessed, I think, with basketball this postseason. There's been some fantastic matchups, some fantastic stars butting heads. And your comment about all this natural growth, I think, is the most important thing that we've seen out of the playoffs. All of these teams that are young and relevant with these young stars and and kids coming in, right? Like, you think about the fact that we have no LeBron, we have no KD. You know, we, we still have Steph and the Warriors, but, like, they're the only like pantheon of basketball that we watched for years that is still around so it's going to be exciting as me and matt always say the next couple of years of basketball are in very very good hands well man we were talking about you know like a top 10 top 15 player list and a lot of the guys that i was thinking about that you know are on that list are 27 or younger man i mean like Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid all like I guess older 20s but under 30 Luca 22 Tatum 24 Jaw you know 22 like they're young players and you know we're not even talking about guys like Zion who you, if he's healthy man he's a top 10 player Absolutely. guy like Scotty or or Evan Mobley or Kate Cunningham who had fabulous rookie seasons and could be pushing for the spot in a few years LaMelo Ball like there are so Pretty many young young, young stars Devin Booker, exactly. I forgot that, man. Um, and it's crazy to think that these guys, Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, are all superstars already or on the cusp, and they're not even in their, you know, peak NBA years. We're in a beautiful era of basketball. You know, it's no longer the milkman showing up to play basketball. We ain't in the 80s anymore, but I think that's enough for the playoffs for me. If we want to keep talking about the future, keep talking about young talent, I think it's Raptors time, my friend. Yeah, man, I think I think I want to take a look at the Raptors' future and, and kind of where we have to go this offseason in order to get to that next level. And I've talked about it before on the podcast. I think that Siakam has hit his peak, and he is not a number one championship caliber player. Now, yes, I think he can be a number two player. I mean, he's proven that with Kawhi. Um, but Scotty is not going to be in his timeline. I don't think Scotty is going to hit the peak of his powers in order to be that number one top five NBA player that we, you know, aspire for him to become with Siakam still being at this kind of level. So I think we need to move off Siakam. I just don't know whether we do it now or we do it midseason. What are your thoughts, man? It's the classic struggle of like the Kyle Lowry situation, right? Of, you know... The, the aging veteran, how it's his team, and there's all the young guys that want to have the opportunity but maybe don't get the opportunity because, you know, you need ball touches for this guy, that guy, all these things. And it's kind of insane that in a couple of years we've shifted, right? We've gone through that rotation of the Kyle and DeMar team to the Kyle and Leonard team to the it's, – it's Siakam and Freddie time now and we're, we're looking at the future. And, and part of that is because, yes, we got Scotty. Yes, OG is still young. Yes, Gary is as young as he is. And so the classic battle that all NBA GMs have to face is what is my optimal timeline? What is my ideal players to get me to the championship? Because, I mean, any Raptors fan who watched the exit interviews knows that our our front office, our organization is all about winning. Their whole goal is winning. And we've seen them do the tough sacrifice in the past with DeMar to get Kawhi. So as much as me over here as a Siakam fan would be very sad to see him go and would hope upon hope that he would do amazing once he left, we could just be in a rinse-repeat situation of what led to the greatest moment in Raptors history. So, I mean, I can agree with you in, in many ways. 
I just think that that's going to be hard to pull off. Absolutely. I don't think that we're going to be able to get a Kawhi-level player for Siakam. I never thought we'd be able to do it with DeMar, but there are, doesn't seem to be those kinds of players that are out there that are wanting to move like Kawhi did. And so that's kind of what makes me nervous. And so what I think is we should target a team like Utah who clearly needs to blow it up. They've got a matching salary in Gobert that we can get. And I think that even though Siakam is definitely a better player than Gobert, in my opinion, and I think um, I would take Siakam on my team over Gobert any day of the week, I think for the positional needs and the roster needs, I think Gobert is the player that we need to target. And I don't know if I'd love a one-for-one trade. I'd want, you know, maybe a second or a first-round pick to be thrown in there. But I might just take a one-for-one trade to see what, you know, that unlocks in our roster. It's it's the challenge of the current NBA, right, of getting a good caliber starting center. And when you say good caliber, you mean I want a top five, top ten starting center because let's let's look at the teams right now that are in the final, you know, games. Giannis, Al Horford, Embiid, Bam Adebayo. Like, there are some big-name centers that know what to do or have veteran experience and have been around for years. And so here are the wraps now in our classic situation of, you know, we have good wings, we have good talent, but on the front and the back end of our roster, we're trying to find those right pieces, the the guards that will fit and the centers that will fit. And, like, obviously with Malachi and Flynn and Precious, we have rookies ready to find their way into those roles, but they need good veteran presences to be able to get themselves to build up to that point. So looking at Gobert is a good option, obviously. And even if you take it like a step further, you look at the, the MVP list this year. I mean, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, all of those guys can play the center. All of those guys are big, big guys. And we need somebody who's going to be able to help slow them down, who's going to be able to, you know, alleviate Scotty's defensive, you know, uh, need in order for him to focus on the offensive end. Yeah. And I think that that's where we have to go. Um, I'm I'm quite nervous about what the offseason holds for us. Maybe we could like sneak back into the first round and target a center in the draft. I just, I think that we need to get off of the Siakam Freddie train because unfortunately I think we've seen as far as it's going to take us and it was a great ride and I think that you know maybe even next year they could push us to the second round or maybe a conference final but that's I think their ceiling I really do and unfortunately as much as I love those guys and I think you know trading them to the right organization they could go be a second star and, and push a team to a championship I just don't know if the two of them together can do it and this is also just how volatile that the NBA is, right? The fact that you can get this close, but it may not be enough. And our organization is all about not just being close, but being enough to go all the way. We don't want to be the Jazz. We, we don't. We don't want to be a team that could put up the best record in the league season after season and then come to the playoffs. Their scheme isn't there. Their team isn't enough. The way that their pieces are put together aren't enough. And so you look at the young pieces that we have as that core of what could be a championship. And you look at 27, 28, 29-year-old Fred and, and Siakam, and you're like, man, as much as it would be amazing to let them be 32 and lead this team, what we saw in the past was that two older stars who are not quite in the top 15 are just not going to be enough. So we got to figure out that next step. And if that means getting rid of Siakam to start, you know, the ball rolling in that direction, heck, maybe that's the way to do it. Hey, think about uh, the Memphis Grizzlies for years, man, with Marcus and Mike Conley. I mean, defensive player of the year. Mike Conley was always an underrated all-star. Never really got there, but he was definitely an all-star for years, that kind of level of play. And they just weren't enough. They had great records, you know, some of the best records in the NBA, but playoff time came and and they weren't deep enough. They weren't deep enough at the top tier talent level. And I think that's where the Raptors need to kind of reevaluate. And even I think it would pain me and we definitely regress next year if we traded Siakam straight up for some draft picks. But it might give us some flyers on some, you know, players that can really fit in with Scotty. And if you use them right, I mean, look at Memphis, man. We talked about it. The oldest, you know, standing player on their team who's really making an impact is, is Dylan Brooks from the 2018 draft. Like, so in four years, you know, you can turn this around quickly in the modern NBA. Young guys are, 
are there and, and coming out. We talked about all those stars that are young. So if we can just find somebody to pair with Scotty, and I think we've already got some, you know, in Gary Trent and OG Ananobi that kind of fit his timeline and Precious who fit his timeline. But I just think that we need that, that next level player. I will say the, the the rumors from Jazz fans of them wanting to trade Gobert for Gary Trent Jr. or someone, it's like, guys, come on. You know anything about basketball at this point in time? But that's just me trying to make a hilarious joke. I just Gary, I don't understand. Gary Trent wouldn't fit your team next to Donovan Mitchell, guys. Like, they're the same type of player. Donovan's just a little bit elevated. Like, and, wild. And these are the kind of things that worry me about the Utah Jazz potential trades for us. Because, like, Gobert would fit. Yes, but I still worry about certain things around him and, and that. And I look at Mitchell, and I'm like, I don't want another ball-handling player on our team. We have enough ball-handlers that know how to work it, especially if we do keep Siakam, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. So it's it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, I have faith in our front office, but the most important thing for me is the potential for opportunity for our young players, you know? We used to talk about how you know OG kind of felt sad that Scotty got drafted and he never really got his time to be up next, right? And, you know, you look at how Gary Trent has finally had the opportunity with the Raptors that he never had with Portland, and he's been able to blossom, right? And we want to be a team that is able to blossom young talent. And if that means that we have to, you know, chop the head of our team off to take the to take the best players away so we can see what we have, like, that, that might be the answer as much as it would pain me absolutely man i think it would pain me a lot too especially you know taking a step back in the standings uh record wise but i really do believe in in the scotty gary trent ananobi core with you know want to throw precious in there too i think that guy can develop into something special as well and so i think we got to lean into that we got to lean into the youth obviously you need to keep the veteran presence around just to you know how to win and i think that they got a lot of that experience this year on on what it takes to make winning back basketball work uh in the nba so i think we've got a bright future man i I know it was kind of like a downer raptors chat a little bit because you know we're talking about trading siakam we're talking about how do we get to that next level but that's the conversation that they're having internally you know Masai and bobby webster and those guys, they know how to do it better than us, man. They're going to definitely make some great trades. I was talking with my buddy yesterday who was, you know, pissed about the the fact that we didn't draft Jalen Suggs. And, you know, you, you look at the redrafts now that people are doing, and Jalen Suggs is, is barely a fringe top 10 player in this draft. And in Masai, we trust, man. In Masai, we trust. And, like, I don't want to knock, I have to say, I don't want to knock down Jalen Suggs because, like, he's playing for Orlando, okay? Orlando is in full rebuild mode. The opportunity isn't there. So, like, again... In a different universe, Jalen Suggs could be doing absolutely great things for us. But Scotty Barnes, man, we love this kid. He really is up next for us. He's the future. Can't believe you called and, it, man. <laughs> bro, I'm so proud of myself for somehow having some type of inkling of knowing about this rookie. But really quickly before we wrap up here, you know, I want to talk about Banton and Flynn because, you know, we've talked about the one end of our roster, about, you know, the big side of it. But, like, we also have to not forget about our guard situation, right? Because, like, Fred is small and still frustrates me sometimes, and Gary is good and has proven that he has the potential to be a 3-and-D-type guard player. But I look at Flynn... Not a primary ball handler. Exactly, not a primary ball handler. I look at Flynn and Banton, and I'm like, one of these guys has to eventually become our true backup and maybe even, in five years, be our starting point guard. And that kind of scares me a little bit. Now, obviously, we've only seen so much out of these two guys, and time will hopefully be good to them, but they're not exactly what I'm looking for for a true starting point guard on our roster. Honestly, man, Delano Banton might be that guy. Um, He had such a great G League season. Um, He's shown moments in the NBA even that he can be a high-level contributor. I think that we need to move off Flynn. I think we need to probably trade him... If we could get a second-round pick for him, I'd take it. Um, at this point, I just don't think he fits our, our roster, our style, the construction that we want. Masai talked about in his end-of-the-season press conference, you know, if we can find guys that can run the point that are bigger, we're going to try and lean into those guys. And I think Delano Benton's definitely one of those players. Uh, the Canadian kid, we'll see what he does this summer, you know, putting in the work. Mm-hmm. I think he's a full two years younger than Malachi Flynn is. So I got hopes for him. Um, but unfortunately for Malachi, 
We weren't necessarily high on him when they drafted him. Obviously, we got into him when we watched video and <laughs> after the pick, but he Thank just let us down. down. Thank you for shutting LaMelo down in the preseason. That was well worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, again, like when we want LaMelo over Malachi in a, any day of the week. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. But So it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, we're, we're into the summer of speculation for Raps Chat. The, the conversation for Raptors is going to be, what are we going to do next? And until it comes to be, you know, August, September, and we're just getting amped for Raps games again, this is this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Oh, man, I wish they were still in the playoffs. Ah, absolutely. They could have been uh, beating around Miami right now. But, hey, that's not the point. You know, we still are getting great basketball at the end of the day, so at least we can be thankful for that. All right, Kevin. You want to do some uh, mystic predictions, some hot takes? Uh, you want to start or you want me to start? Oh, I'm going to start here because, you know, we were talking about this Grizzlies team, and I want to see it happen. This this Jawless team is going to force Game 7. They're going to prove that they are the greatest team the NBA has ever seen without a superstar. I want it, Matt. I want it so bad. Man, that's a bold, bold prediction. I hope it happens for you, my friend. It'd be fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, Something that's a little less fun for me to watch, but fun for our city, is I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are eliminating the Tampa Bay Lightning, man. Um, I called it at the beginning of the year that I thought Toronto was going to win the Stanley Cup. Um, I think that them beating the Lightning is just that first step in it, and the fact that they've got the 3-2 series lead, the fact that they you know, can play with the Tampa Bay Lightning very consistently and, and above them quite often um, is pretty impressive. So, you know, Leafs in six or seven, I don't know the exact number, but... I mean, hey, if they can pull this victory out, Leafs fans are going to be like... Yeah, I know Matt over here is just dying, but Leafs fans are going to be like the play-in champion Timberwolves, losing it, jumping up on tables, being so excited, because it's a big deal for Leafs fans if they can pull this victory out. I'm Yo, man, 17 years breath. is a long time. It's longer 17. than the Kings in the playoffs. Man, that's, uh, I want to say, at least two-thirds of my life, so... <laughs> Pretty crazy, pretty crazy. But hey, this time next week we're gonna know, man. It could be a wild situation. Hey, man, I'm I'm still thinking that they're gonna win the Stanley Cup out here. You know, it's them Montreal fans giving it to Lee fans. Um, we brought the bad karma on ourselves. <laughs> oh yeah, absolute pain. But anything else, my friend, or shall we wrap it up? No, nah, man, I think you're good to wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook at the Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. Check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.